Coming up, is Xander Bogarts coming to Arizona? Looking at potential trade packages for the D-back surplus of outfielders in part two with Paul Holden of Locked on Rockies. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I'm Miller Thomas, host of this wonderful podcast. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24, downmyportfolio.com. I'm there to see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or just look up Lockdown Dimebacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. Also tell your friends to go hit subscribe on the Locked on Dimebacks YouTube channel. The channel keeps growing and we want it to, we want the channel. I want the channel. There's no we, just I. I want the channel to get to at least 300 subscribers in the next couple of weeks, then 500, 1,000 and keep climbing from there. So please hit subscribe on the Locked on Dimebacks YouTube channel. Speaking of YouTube, for the YouTube audience, this video will end after we talk about the D-backs potential trade ideas. And for the audio audience, you guys will get part two with Paul Holden of Lockdown Rocky. So let's jump right into the podcast because I want to start with some rumors with the D-backs because the D-backs have expressed interest in Zando Bogarts and Listen, I've talked about how I'm a closet Red Sox fan on this podcast before. I love Xander Bogarts. And the idea of the D-backs going out there and signing Bogarts gives me the tingles. It gives me goosebumps. And I would absolutely love it. So I got five reasons why Xander Bogarts to the D-backs makes sense and why the D-backs should pull the move. I don't think the D-backs will do it. I think someone else like the Padres who are also interested team like the Phillies I think those teams would pony up the money the Red Sox I think all of them will probably just outbid the D-backs when it comes to Xander Bogarts but if the D-backs are able to make a deal or at least offer him a deal he would be happy and satisfied with I have five reasons why the D-backs should go after Xander Bogarts so the first reason why I think the D-backs should go after Xander Bogarts is even though they might get outbid by these other teams Xander Bogarts is a tier one free agent but he still won't cost tier one money I think Bogarts is as good as any shortstop in baseball. Maybe he's closer to that bottom of the tier one, but I still think he's a tier one shortstop. He's coming off a career high 6.1 F4, been basically a 300, 850 OPS guy the last five years. You look at his career, Babbitt batting average average on balls in play, it sits at 336. And for his career, he's got a strikeout rate under 20%. So this is someone that... Got some power, usually around 20 to 25 home runs, high average, RBI producer, run producer, puts the ball in play, doesn't strike out. He does everything you want, long at bats, just great at taking pitches. He's a true pro when he's at the plate. 
And honestly, if you look at him offensively, if you look at just the counting stats, he's basically no different than Carlos Correa. And speaking of Correa, he's someone that when you look at his contract, he's making like $35 million a year right now. Trey Turner, Spotrack has Trey Turner projected to make about $33.5 million annually on his next deal this free agency. Bogarts is only projected $29.5 million, and he's projected to get a six-year deal. So $29.5 million over six years, that might sound like a lot, but considering Trey Turner's projected $33.5 annually over seven years, and then you look at guys like Seager, Lindor, Rendon, all those guys are making between 32 and 35, and all of them are on seven-plus-year deals. So if I could get Bogarts for less money and less years, I think that's a great deal for a guy who's Tier 1, even though he might be bottom of that Tier 1. Number two, he's a poor defensive shortstop. Now, that might not seem like a good reason to go after someone to play shortstop, but he's arguably the worst defensive shortstop in baseball the last few years if you look at if you look at defensive run saves so i think that actually makes him a perfect candidate to switch positions to either third base or second base and preferably probably third base Boris, his agent, Scott Boris, who we all know, the biggest mogul of all agents in baseball, he's been insistent this offseason that Bogarts is not switching positions. And guess what? The D-backs won't ask him to for at least the first year of that deal and maybe the second. But once Jordan Lawler, the defensive wizard, gets called up, he will take he will take Xander Bogarts' job at shortstop. And where Bogart's getting a little bit older, he'll be in his early 30s by that point. I think it'll be easier to have that conversation. It'll be, as a veteran, he should move to a more manageable position like third base instead of shortstop. And he's also got a good physical profile to play third as well. So I think it would be a little bit easier of a conversation to have with Xander Bogarts once he's in his early 30s, once he's getting a little bit older, and once he's once he's watching Jordan Lawler in practice and looking at that defensive maestro, I think it would be a lot easier conversation to have with Bogarts at that time. Number three, he fits the timeline. Listen, not everyone on the DD backs roster can be 25 and younger. And you also don't want to sign crusty veterans clogging playing time from those positions. Bogarts fits right in line with the Marte, who is 29 years old. Zach Gallon's in his late 20s. Christian Walker is 31. Merrill Kelly's a fresh 34. Xander Bogarts turned 30 like a month and a half ago. Like he's right in the prime of his career. He's a proven winner. He's a playoff performer. And he's a 10-year vet. He's a 10-year vet who's still younger than Christian Walker. So he can show the kiddos a thing or two about winning and being a professional. So I would love Xander Bogarts because he's someone, even though he's been in the league 10 years, still fits perfectly with the D-backs timeline. Number four. The left side of the infield just currently doesn't have an high, just currently doesn't have a high offensive ceiling. Until Jordan Lawler is ready, the shortstop position is currently weak if the D-backs don't sign Xander Bogarts. I like Rojas. I don't want to put any limits on Josh Rojas, but if I'm being honest, I feel like he's more of a super utility guy than an everyday third baseman. I think he's a guy who plays third base maybe 30 games and then he plays a little second base and then he's playing a little shortstop and he's playing a little outfield and he's doing a little dh like i think josh rojas is gonna be one of those guys like a ben zobris so i'll get 120 to 140 games played in a season and play like three to four to five different positions like a zobris like a brock holt and be effective like i think a brock holt was an all-star one time i think a ben zobris too like being a super utility guy doesn't mean you're bad it means you're a versatile guy and like a guy like Josh Rojas, who has that speed skill, 
I think he's someone that the D-backs would want to get in the lineup for at least 100 games. So even though Bogart might be manning uh, shortstop and potentially manning third once Jordan Lawler gets called up, Josh Rojas can still be playing all over the place because he's a super utility guy. And I currently just don't believe in Manuel Rivera either. So if you sign Xander Bogarts right now, I think that would be a pretty good signing considering that left side of the infield just isn't that strong right now. So you would have Bogarts at short. You would have that Rivera-Rojas platoon over at third base for a year or two. And then once Lawler gets called up, he takes over shortstop. You move Bogarts to third base. And now think about that left side of your infield offensively with Jordan Lawler. And Bogarts, that sounds enticing. Then the final reason why the D-backs should sign Xander Bogarts is, is a real simple reason. Familiarity. Mike Hazen used to work in the Red Sox front office as an assistant GM. He saw a whole bunch of Xander Bogarts when he was over there. He knows Bogarts is a supreme elite talent. So for those five reasons, the D-backs should go after Xander Bogarts. And if you think it's a surefire bet that the D-backs are going to sign Xander Bogarts, you need to go to betonline.net and place that bet because betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix in. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now let's get back into the podcast and I want to look at some potential trade packages for the D-backs outfielders because, excuse me, Arizona Sports, Jordan Leandre, I always feel like I butcher his last name, but Jordan of Arizona Sports got three trade packages here, did I say heel? Here involving the D-backs outfielders and I just want to go through his potential trade packages because there's a whole bunch of D-backs writers, reporters, um, you know, coming up with these fake trade scenarios. And I love my folks over at Arizona Sports. I think I'm still technically an employee at Arizona Sports. I always love reading their articles and seeing the kind of trades, the fake trade that they have for the D-back. So we're going to look at Jordan's fake trades because I did find them very interesting. And we're going to see if I would do them or not. And the first fake trade that Jordan has is he's got the Blue Jays trading for Jake McCarthy in cash. The D-backs get back catcher Danny Jansen. Now, Jordan has a very compelling case to upgrade the catcher position because apparently the D-backs were 25th in framing runs and 24th in defensive runs saved. And I don't think that was all Carson Kelly, but he definitely didn't help. Also just had like an, uh, also had a below average offensive catcher when you look at WRC+. plus. So the stats for the catcher position for the D-backs defensively, offensively just wasn't very pretty, but for the D-backs, I like the trade, but I don't think I would want to trade Jake McCarthy for an offensive catcher at this time because even though Jansen had a really strong season and if he could replace that if and if he could replicate that season, he would be a super nice addition to this D-backs team. If he had Jansen doing what he did this past year, 
batting like sixth or seventh or eighth for this D-backs team because they're going to be so deep next season. That would be a huge boost to this D-backs team, but defensively, it doesn't sound like he's much of an upgrade over Carson Kelly, so you're really banking on that season being replicable from what he did in 2022. But the the main reason, I feel like I combined so many of my words, but the main reason I wouldn't do this is because I don't know how much of an upgrade Danny Jansen is over Carson Kelly. And also, is Carson Kelly enough of a problem why I feel like I need to trade a young outfielder? Like, right now, I feel like we could still ride Carson Kelly and just have Jake McCarthy in the outfield and maybe play him a little DH. Like, I don't think Carson Kelly is becoming Buster Posey anytime soon, but I still think he can be an above-average offensive catcher, a good offensive catcher, because I think we saw that not just in 2019, but I do think in 2021, he was a solid offensive catcher. And even though the advanced stats weren't pretty for Carson Kelly, I do think the eye test clearly showed the pitching staff was very comfortable with Carson Kelly. And when he was out with injury, the pitching staff, I think, clearly didn't perform the same and wasn't as good without a Carson Kelly behind the plate. So even though I don't have high expectations for Carson Kelly anymore, I've kind of taken all my expectations away from a Carson Kelly after seeing him for now, what, four years in D-backs uniform, his peak being 2019. I think all D-backs fans have recalibrated our expectations when it comes to Carson Kelly. And we're no longer expecting that potential all-star that we might have that we thought we might have had when we first acquired him, but do I think I'm ready to just go out there and trade a, a potential stud and a Jake McCarthy for an albeit young and rising catcher in Danny Jansen? No, Carson Kelly isn't old. He's not that much older than Danny Jansen. I still think he could be pretty solid offensively. So because of those reasons, I like the trade, but I don't think I would do it at this moment. Even though when you look at Danny Jansen's stats from last year, they're very impressive. 72 games, 15 home runs, 855 OPS. I like those stats, but I don't think it's the right trade for the D-backs at this time. Now, if we go after this season of Carson Kelly just flat out sucks again offensively, and then Jake McCarthy basically does the same season where like, oh, he's a really good outfielder but he's maybe not like a star or anything like that then maybe i would revisit this trade conversation in the offseason next year but at this moment i don't think you have to do that deal the number two trade here d-backs trade to the detroit tigers paven smith and their number 14 prospect blaze alexander and the d-backs get back right-handed pitcher joe jimenez because According to Jordan of Arizona Sports, D-backs right-handers posted a 503 ERA in 2022, and they struck out fewer than two men per walk. So, to sum it up, D-backs righties sucked this past season, and overall, outside of Manthapai and Kyle Nelson, all the relievers sucked for the D-backs, but they desperately need a righty right now in the bullpen because they can at least get by with the two with the two lefties that they have, but they desperately need more right-handed pitching. And Jimenez is someone that's interesting. He's coming off his best season with a 3.49 ERA, 2.0 FIP, averages around 96 miles per hour on his fastball. So I think I would do this deal for Jose or for Joe Jimenez, but. I don't think I would put a Blaze Alexander in this deal. I don't think I want to give up a top 15 prospect for a reliever who finally put it together after like five or six years in Major League Baseball. If I could give up like 
I don't know, the 20th, 25th best prospect in the D-backs organization, then I think I'll do it, but not the 14th best prospect. I think I would have to bring the value down a little bit on our side first because Jimenez has always had good advanced stats, but this was the first time he put it all together and the counting stats match the advanced stats. So I just don't want to give up a top 15 guy for someone with only one year of proven success. And at this point, like Paven Smith has little to no value for the D-backs. Like, listen, I will never want to disparage Paven Smith. I will never besmirch his name. He's a friend of the pod. Had him on the podcast before. So I got a soft spot for Paven Smith. But I mean, he can't play defensively in the outfield, especially when you have Thomas Varchel and Carroll. Like you have three superstar defensive outfielders. So it's like, why would I ever put Paven Smith out there? Offensively, it's like, he really doesn't have a great platoon advantage. He doesn't hit for power as a first baseman. He's not a great defensive first baseman either. It's like, why would you ever take Christian Walker out the lineup for Paven Smith? Because Christian Walker, power machine, and now is the best defensive first baseman in baseball. Why would you do that? Then you look at the DH spot. It's like, maybe Paven Smith could play DH, but it's like, Maybe it'll be Jake McCarthy. Maybe it'll be the newbie Kyle Lewis. Like, they're just really not a spot for Paven Smith on this D-backs roster currently. So I wouldn't be mad throwing him in the deal. And looking at some other numbers for Joe Jimenez, career strikeout rate of 28.6%, 20 saves and 297 appearances. So he's got a little saving experience as well. And his fastball velo this past year was his hardest since 2019. So I just think he's a perfect Brent Strom candidate who's getting better every single season. And with the D-backs in desperate need of more right-handed pitchers, I'm fine giving up someone like Paven Smith who holds little to no value to the D-backs. Then the final trade I want to discuss is Jake McCarthy to the Miami Marlins along with Buddy Candy and Edwin Uceda. And the D-backs get back Jesus Lizardo in cash considerations. And this is a deal that I do think I would do, but I don't think I would give up a buddy and an Edwin. If I could take one of them out the deal, I would do that. But this Marlins team we know is starving for offensive talent. Every day on Twitter, I have to see Lockdown Marlins host Peter Pratt do some fake trade for Christian Walker where we get fleeced basically as D-backs nation. But a deal like this, Gives me those jazz chisholm for Zach Gallon vibes. And I think that's a big reason I would do it. If I could make it one for one, I would. Because I think Jig McCarthy is going to be a good major league player. And maybe he's not as good of a major, major league player as jazz chisholm. But he's a top 10 fastest player in baseball when you look at sprint speed. The Marlins were not a very fast team in 2022. So you get to add that speed component to your lineup. He can, from what we've seen so far, actually hit for average. So you get a high contact guy. Someone that could get on base. And you... Mix that with Jazz Chisholm. Those two will be wreaking havoc at the top of your lineup if you're the Marlins. And then for the D-backs, Jesus Lazardo, mid-20s, 25 years old, coming off the best season of his career. Top 100 prospect that's dealt with injuries but was healthy to end the year last year. And he just looked phenomenal. He throws the curveball the most, and that's followed by a 96-mile-an-hour fastball as well. So I would love this deal. I think this is a deal where both sides win. D-backs get to stay young out of Jesus Lazardo, who I think is a perfect candidate to be a number two pitcher behind Zach Gallant. If I get him in the midst of a Brent Strom, I can only imagine the ceiling he could reach. So that's a deal I would definitely do if I'm the Arizona Diamondbacks.
Oh yeah. So, but well, that's a whole different conversation. Millard, I want to kind of steer the, the conversation in another direction, but before okay. we do that, check oh. this out. Okay. Well, I just always just do a little tease thing there. Yeah, okay. No, no. <laughs> the the little whatever I call it, the ad locator. Um. Anyway. <clears throat> Can I ask Miller, you a question first before you go into yeah, your segment course. number three? Yeah, yeah. I got a quick question for you talking about free agents, just because I think this would be a fun narrative. I brought him up earlier on the podcast, but talk about Xander Bogarts to the D-backs. But we know he's the Boston Red Sox shortstop. The ties and the connections don't be don't seem like they're too strong with Boston right now. So we know Boston last year stole the Colorado Rockies shortstop. What about the Rockies now stealing Boston shortstop and going after the better of the two in Xander Bogarts, who's coming off a career year if you care about F war? Meanwhile, Trevor Story, um, he hit home runs and he stole bases last year. But outside of that, uh, not too much of a productive year for Trevor Story. Well, it's because they should have had him play shortstop where he's supposed to play. That's why I was always frustrated with that move. I was excited he was going to Boston. And I was like, but it's just like these people, think, for me, you asking him to change positions, it's, it's it that goes through your mentals. But anyway, uh, no, I, I, I just don't think the Rockies want to invest crazy in shortstop because Tovar's right there. He can't, okay. he played for the, it's not like he's sitting in the minors and it's will they, won't they? He was called up and had a, uh, it wasn't the longest, but finished the season with the Rockies last year. So I, I really think if the Rockies wanted to, to fill more time for shortstop before handing over at least Tovar being the, the, the primary one there, I think they would have tried to go after Iglesias or maybe they still are because, like I said, Jose Iglesias was very solid for the Rockies and one of the few Rockies players that could hit on the road last year. Uh, one of the rare cases where his uh, home batting average was less than his uh, road batting average for the Rockies. One of the very rare examples of that. Uh, I think the the, the Rockies are prime for for uh, Tovar to be there. They also could move Ryan McMahon to play shortstop. I think Ryan McMahon should stay at third base. But Elias Montero is supposed to be a third baseman. So it's what do you do with him as well? He's so it, they could move Ryan McMahon to short if Tovar if they feel Tovar needs more time or, or or something of that nature. And then Montero's there. So the pieces to fill for shortstop are there, especially with waiting for the prospect being a shortstop. Uh, he, he is number one overall. I believe actually Zach Veen might be over there, but he's, he's two uh, Ezekiel Tovar. Um, so I don't think it'll be a Xander Bogarts thing. And I think you'll see a lot more from Trevor story next year, but Miller to, to close out here to, to one final question here, something that I was really excited about. I can't wait for the balance schedule. And I think it's better for baseball. I think it's better for fans of teams like ours. I have lamented the fact that the Rockies finished last year with six straight games in LA. Now that's really a rarity. I know like no other, every time I've told that to people, they're like kind of shocked. And I know that wouldn't happen again, but I don't need to see the Rockies play the Dodgers 20 times or however many times it is in the season. I'm so excited to be able to see the league and for the league to see the Rockies. And I'm curious your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I actually was just looking up the D-back schedule real quick because I think you just reminded me. I do think there was a point last year, too, where the D-backs had to play the Dodgers, I think, five straight games because there was like a. There was like a rain delay that they made up and it was like a doubleheader. So they had to play them in like five straight days technically. But yeah, 
I don't know why it took so long for baseball to get to this evenly balanced schedule. I don't care about the divisional games, really. I don't care that we play each other like 19 times or however many times it is. I just care about how we never had more than like one interleague matchup yeah. a year. Like that, That's the part that blew my mind watching baseball. I'm like, there's double the amount of games in baseball compared to basketball. But basketball plays every team at least two to four times. Baseball. Why did it take so long when you have series? You're playing a team for three straight games. How are we not able to see every team in Major League Baseball? Why is it like seven years between the D-backs playing in Yankee Stadium and the Yankees coming to Chase Field? Like it, it, That was always the most ridiculous part, I thought, when it came to the MLB schedule because you have so many games. You're making these players and fans watch 162 or play 162, and it doesn't even happen against every single team. I don't even care about like the competitive standpoint or anything like that. It's just the fact that I don't get a chance to see Mike Trout in Arizona every year. Like That part makes absolutely no sense to me. The but product now, okay. is going to be much, much better. And uh, we, I know we, 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 we could go a whole nother pod on Millard's uh, love of the 162 game regular season, yes. but we'll, we'll save that. We got a long off season, so I'm sure this won't be the last time, but I think this is going to help the game. I, I think when you're looking to how you market your players, you nail it. People are actually going to be able to watch Mike Trout. What was cool. What's cool about where I'm at. I'm on being in the Pacific Northwest is I've gotten to see Shohei. And it's great. And, I, you know, I've kind of hopped on the Mariners bandwagon a little bit, too, because they're a fun and exciting team. But they get to play all these teams I never saw. N- folks, you, even if, I know maybe with the Dodgers, they are going to lament the fact that they don't get to play the Rockies and the Diamondbacks as much. But it's so much better when you don't have a month of baseball and you look and you're just like, great, the Rockies play a whole month of baseball and they finish because this was how the end of the season you're burnt out from a really long, frustrating season as a Rockies fan. And then you finish with San Diego, San Francisco, and LA, (laughs) you know, and you're just like, great teams that are not only better or have great history against us recently, but it's San Francisco. It's the same team again. And it's like, you know, it's like, I'm I'm sick of playing the diamondbacks a million times. And it's like, every time I'm like, Oh great. The Rockies going on the road to Arizona. They're going to start something. Uh, They're going to go out. They just played a great series. Didn't didn't the Rockies just win their first series at chase field since it opened this last season. I think that was one of the things I talked about this year. So it's so nice. I'm, the Rockies are going to be here. I'm going to go get be able to watch them a three game set here in Seattle. And it, it's just so much better for the game. But uh, Millard, this won't be the last time we cross mm-hmm. paths over the offseason as uh, we're going to be talking Rockies. We're talking Diamondbacks all offseason, all the time on the Locked on Rockies and Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Millard, where can they go so they can stay up to date with all things with the Rockies? They're, the Diamondbacks are the Rockies rival and the Padres. Get out of here. The Giants and the the, the the Dodgers have way too good of a record. But when I get the fire of rivalry baseball, it's Dodger. It's, it's Diamondbacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just hate up there. <laughs> I just hate all you NLS teams. I just yeah, hope the exactly, D-backs right? Yeah, the this- with all y'all. <laughs> well, you can follow me on Twitter, personal account, at CreatorThomas24. Follow the show account. Just look up Lockdown Diamondbacks, both Twitter, Instagram. Just type it in the little search bar. And please hit subscribe on the Lockdown Diamondbacks YouTube channel. I am at Paul Holden 33 at LO Rockies. If you want to follow the show locked on Rockies on YouTube. Yes. The subscription folks, it is a massive help to us. Uh, And for Miller Thomas, I'm Paul Holden saying so long from the locked on podcast network.